0: Let's pray together. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never shamed or covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge. In Him. Lord, help us to be your holy people who fear you and to come to you as your children to learn from you the fear of the Lord. May our eyes today and our lips declare that you, Lord, you alone are righteous and that God, that your ears are attentive to our shouts of Christ. Lord, we humble ourselves to you this very morning. I pray, God, you speak to us, open up our hearts, open up our ears to hear from you, the word of truth and the word of God. We surrender our hearts to you with humility. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer and our Lord and our savior. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this one life that we have in you. We pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. and God's people, pray. Amen. And amen. All right, let's all take our seat at this time. Uh, let's take a moment to greet one another uh, this very morning. And let's get started with today's message. Uh, the title of today's message is called, the purpose of life the purpose of life and with that let me begin with this video and then we'll resume and resume back to the message let's watch the video first So, again, today's title is called The Purpose of Life. What is the Christian purpose, our purpose in life? The purpose of life is to glorify God. Amen? So, let's begin with Psalm chapter 34. I'm going to go from verse 1 through 11, verse 15, 17 to 20, and then verse 22. Let me begin with verse 1. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will not sometimes, but always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us, let us all together exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved them out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Verse 15, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, And his ears are attentive to their cry. Verse 17 to 20, it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Verse 22, ending with this, The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Amen. Amen. When I read this psalm, a few things that stick, sticks out to me. For example, in verse 7, where it says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. I'm reminded of the time when I was in high school. I was coming down close to Dock Road, that big hill, and it was snowy, and I was with my friend driving. And the car wouldn't stop because everything was filled with snow and ice, and there was a rock on the right side. And I remember as we're going, I'm stopping. I did the emergency brake, I tried, and literally by a centimeter, I didn't hit the wall, and God stopped the car, we were praying, God, please. I remember with my friend, we mentioned this particular passage, Psalm 34, verse 7. We talked about how the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. When I read verse 8, I'm reminded of the song, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The song that we sing, Psalm 34. And when I read the scripture, I am reminded of my past. For God spoke to me through the scripture, and he encouraged me, and he lifted me up. When I was in a place where I was down, the Lord lifted me up through the scripture. So whenever we read the Bible, we have references, and I want to encourage you, to write down the dates when God spoke to you through the scripture, write down that date. Put a reference what God did and what happened in that day, in that particular moment, and remember it. For God has been faithful in your past, God is faithful in your present, and God will be faithful to you in the future. And when I read verse five, those who look to him are radiant, Their faces are never covered with shame. I'm reminded that when we come to church, there's a lot of emotions at play, a lot of guilt and shame at play, the lies and the whispers of the enemy, or our our emotions may be high in that very moment, in that very day. But when we come to church and we look to God and we turn to God, we look to him and our face says are not downcast but it is radiant your face should never be covered with shame and guilt amen? amen but with smiles and with laughter and with peace the purpose of life the christian purpose our purpose in life The true purpose in life is this. I have two points for us starting with point number one is this, to know the Lord. To know the Lord. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1, New King James Version says, now Adam knew Eve. It says, And then what does it say after? It says, she conceived and bore Cain, meaning she became pregnant. In other translation, when it says the word "yada," new, it means Adam had relationship, had relations with Eve. Meaning, in other translation, it says, may love to Eve. So it's an intimate word. So as Adam was in an intimate relationship with Eve, We as Christians, we are called to have an intimate relationship with God. We are called to know the Lord. We are called to know Jesus Christ. We are called to have an intimate, not a casual relationship, but an intimate relationship with the living God. An intimate, intimate relationship. So point A The question I want to ask, do you have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? So point B, do you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit? So point C, do you spend time reading God's word? Letter D, do you spend time praying on your knees? The purpose of life is very simple. It's to know the Lord, and you must ask yourself, do you have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit? The conviction of the Holy Spirit brings wisdom, guidance to know how to live, how to behave, what to give up. In the past, maybe you were casual with certain sins, certain actions but now the conviction of the holy spirit leads to change i'm not talking about condemnation condemnation is from the devil but conviction is from god conviction comes from the holy spirit conviction leads to repentance repentance leads to change and do you spend time reading god's word how often do you read god's word be honest with yourself about this how often Do you meditate on the word of God? Do you spend time praying on your knees? And I say on your knees, and that's specific and that's important because it's a posture of bowing and kneeling which shows humility before God. A proud individual will never kneel because they're too proud. But we kneel and we can and we should be able to kneel before the living God because He is God. He is our Father. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. How we act physically. It correlates to what we do and who we are spiritually. Therefore, when our rooms are messy, when our cars are messy, when things get messy, when things get out of control, it shows the kind of life that we're living spiritually. Not always. Sometimes you're just busy and you are about to get to it. But if it's consistently that way, you must get rid of all the garbages, all the things that we've been hoarding. Over the years and months, sometimes we are called to clean things up, called to clean things up for this reason I kneel before the Father. Whenever I pray at home, you'll never find me praying like on a chair. Well, sometimes yes, but mostly 99% of the time, I'm in a posture of bowing down and kneeling. And it's something that I've done so long that when I'm sleeping and I find myself just kneeling. And sometimes I don't even know that I'm doing that. And I'm just kneeling and then I'm praying and then in the middle of the night and then I fall asleep and my neck is like this. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, and then I fall asleep. And I do that. Sometimes I use the bathroom. I come back and I find myself by the couch and I'm just bowing down and kneeling muscle memory constantly it's automatic spending time prayer and praying on your knees we must lift up our hands in worship on sundays when we come before god now this passage is not on the screen but hebrews chapter 12 verse 12 says therefore strengthen your feeble arms And weak knees. It's not on the screen, but it's important for us to show our worship before God. When we come and we worship him, we lift up our hands. We physically lift up our hands to show God what is on our hearts. We say, I don't need to lift my hands. I don't need to pray out loud. I don't need to pray on my knees. Because God knows my heart. He knows my heart and my intentions. Yes, that is true. But you do it from the overflow of your heart of your worship and we show it physically. Just like we live in a society with relationships. You could say, I have a good heart and I didn't want to do this. But we are called to act and people judge us according to our actions. So as Christians, it's important how we act and what we do with our physical hands and our feet, with our mouth, with our body. Because they cannot read what's going on in your heart We're not mind readers, only God is. But we are called to show who we are and make that connection physically from the physical to the spiritual, to the spiritual, to the physical. Like that song, all heaven declares, what does it say in that line? Forever he will be the lamb upon the throne. I gladly bow my knee and worship him alone. Forever you will be, we look to God and say, God, you, you will be the lamb upon the throne. I gladly bow my knee and worship you, you, alone. So can we come all together right now and sing that section of the song? Ready? Forever He Will Be. You guys are familiar with it? Okay, ready? One, two, hang on. One, two, three. Forever He will be The Lamb upon the throne i gladly bow my knees and worship him alone one more time forever you will be let's lift my hands and worship him forever you will be the lamb upon I gladly bow my knee, knee. and worship you alone. Amen. Amen. To know the Lord. Do you have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Do you spend time reading God's Word? Do you spend time praying? On your knees to know God, the true purpose in life. Which leads to our last point, point two, is to turn from sin. To turn from sin. And when I say turn from sin, we do not and cannot do it with our own strength. We cannot do it ourselves with our own small strength. We turn to Christ. We turn and look to the cross. We place all of our hopes in Christ. And these are the two sins, two greatest sins to look out for as Christians. And it comes down to two great sins. So point A is the sin of pride. And so point B is the sin of unbelief. The sin of pride and the sin of unbelief. And when I say the sin of pride, here's what the Bible says. And here's what, and I'm referencing on the topic of pride, C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. He states that this is known as the great sin. Number one. Because it is the complete anti-God state of mind. When we have pride, there is no room for God at all. None whatsoever. C.S. Lewis mentions pride as something that no man or woman in this world is free from. Christianity, especially Christians, especially think that they can never Ever carry any pride but that is the greatest lie from the devil people have said that they are bad tempered people have admitted that they can't keep their eyes away from girls and boys people have admitted that they drink too much people have admitted and have said that they are cowards and they're scared however rarely rarely will anyone say that they are prideful People admit that they are drunks, womanizers, bad temper, but ever hardly will anyone or someone say, I am proud. And through pride, many will overcome the power of lust. I'll repeat that and say it again. Through pride, not through grace, not through the strength that comes from God, but through your own pride, the pride that lives in you, you can overcome the power of lust, cowardice, ill temper, by own discipline and strength. By pride, you can overcome these things. And in your heart, you will say, God, look at these other sinners. Look at that person judging, and I am not like that. I am better than that. And the devil laughs, and he's perfectly content to see you becoming chaste and brave and self-control provided all the time. He's setting you up in the direction in the dictatorship of pride. Pride, pride. Pride. How scary pride is. When there's pride, there's no room for God to work in your life. That's why it says in James chapter 4 verse 6 to 10. It says, "But he gives us more" grace which comes from God that is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble or the translation says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble verse 7 submit yourselves then to who to God not in your strength not in yourself but to God resist the devil and he will flee from you. You want the devil to stay away from your life? Be humble. Submit to God. That's it. Humble yourselves. Be humble. Come near to God, verse 8, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So we understand three things from this passage, that God opposes the proud and shows favor, grace. He gives grace to the humble. And we understand that when we humble ourselves, second, the devil stays away from us. He will flee from us. And then three, then we humble ourselves, God He will lift us up, He will draw closer to us. James chapter 4, 6 through 10. Humility, the fear of the Lord, reverence, they go hand to hand, they all go together. That's why it says in Proverbs 8:13, New Kings James Version, it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth, I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate pride. Amen? Hate it. Proverbs eleven two 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18-19, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit, along with the oppressed, than to share plunder with the proud. Proverbs 21, 4 says, "Hardy eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked, produce sin. The great sin, pride. And let me end this up point, letter A, with, philippians chapter 3 i'm gonna focus mainly in the middle but let's go from verse 3 to 21 and this was mentioned in the video that we watched in the beginning and starting with verse 3 says this and the title says warning against pride in other translation if you have niv says no confidence in the flesh i believe but in other translations, warning against pride. Starting with verse 3, says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, not in myself, not in yourself, but in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such Confidence. We don't put our confidence in the worldly things, but we place our confidence in Jesus Christ. We boast in Jesus Christ. And Paul here, he's saying, I have so many reasons to be proud. I have so many reasons to have such confidence. Let me give you a list. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul is saying, I have more Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, the Korean among Koreans, the Filipino among all the Filipinos, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He's saying, I was perfect. There is nothing. Shortcoming. About my life but what does he say in verse 7 this is the part I want us to focus on but whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ what is more I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things all garbage and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, let's focus on here. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then ending with this quickly from verse 15 to 21. The title says, following Paul's example, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that to God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Verse 17, join together and follow my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but not us, but you, Christian men and women of God. You, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. Amen and amen. Have no confidence in the flesh. Be careful of pride. The sin of pride. So point B, The sin of unbelief. When I say the sin of unbelief, I automatically go to Mark chapter 3, verse 29. And it says, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. When we talk about the sin of unbelief, I'm talking about blasphemy, I'm talking about impenitency, I'm talking about apostasy. What do I mean by blasphemy? It's the heart becoming hardened like a rock to the point where your heart is no longer moved by God due to your continuous rejection and rebellion against the Lord. When I say impenitency, I'm talking about not feeling shame, having no regret about your wrong. You are stubborn. You are unrepentant. You are remorseless, meaning you have no conviction of the Holy Spirit. When I say apostasy, I'm talking about deliberately making that conscious choice, that decision every single day to no longer follow after God, to no longer follow after Christ. And the result is there is no fear of God. Blackaby says this, that when you lose the fear of God, you lose the fear of sin. And when you lose the fear of sin, you are headed for Judgment, And I'm talking about eternal judgment. And we see many people who walk away from their faith, who are no longer in the faith, particularly, specifically, John chapter 6, verse 66. Let's all go there. And it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It says, how many? Many. This is when Jesus is saying, drink my blood, eat my flesh. He's talking about the spiritual language. Oh, no, Jesus, this is too much. I cannot follow you. They turned back and no longer followed him. Blasphemy, impenitency, apostasy. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 to 19 says this. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us, meaning they're not of us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going, meaning them leaving, show that none of them belong to us, meaning they are not of us. How? By leaving the faith, by going. If you stay, you belong. It shows that you belong from the beginning, that your faith was genuine. But those who leave, it shows that none of them belong to us. Originally, they never belonged. They never had true faith in Jesus Christ. Because if you have true faith in Jesus Christ, there's no way that you can walk away from your faith. The sin of unbelief. Let's go to point number three. Let's add this. Point number three is this to obey Jesus Christ, to obey. And let me begin with this first scripture here. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18, that we all know and that we memorized, hopefully, because we went over this a lot and often. But it says, rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And with that, let me give you these subpoints. Again, it's a little long. I got to the letter I. I'm telling you, eventually we'll do up to Z. And then we'll do more, and then we'll repeat. We'll go A to C again, more. So it'll be Z and A to C. But A, trusting in Christ. Letter B, Rejoicing in Christ. When I think about the word rejoicing, I think about First Thessalonians chapter 5, and I think about Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Specifically, verse 5, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Let us see. Hoping in Christ. Letter D. Surrendering to Christ. Letter E. Thanksgiving to Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does this tie in together with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? Yes. Where it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Letter F, worshiping Christ. Letter G, fearing Christ. Letter H and I, ties in with what we end over in point number one reading daily, and I praying dearly. Let's go over the list just one more time and I'm closing with this. Let me quickly just go over the main points. The true purpose in life was number one is to know the Lord. And I asked the question, do you have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? The conviction of the Holy Spirit? Do you spend time in reading God's word? Do you spend time praying on your knees? And then two was to turn from sin. And when I say turn from sin, I'm talking about the two greatest sins in our lives that we must look out for. The sin of pride and the sin of unbelief, which leads to our last point, number three, to obey Jesus Christ. To obey Jesus Christ means this, are you trusting in Christ? Are you rejoicing in Christ? Are you hopeful in Christ? Do you surrender to Christ? Do you give thanksgiving to Christ? Are you worshiping Christ? Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear Christ, meaning reverence towards him? Do you read daily? Do you pray daily? Ephesians 5, 14 to 20. It says this, and let us all read together. In a count of three. Ready? One, two, three. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, trust the Lord completely, commit to the Lord completely, live for Him completely. And here's my testimony, and this should be your testimony as well when you meet anyone at work or at school, with your coworkers, if they ask you, what is the hope that you have for the faith that you have? Why do you go to church? And if the conversation continues, and if their heart is open and willing, you tell them that this was the best decision that, I've, that I could ever have made not just in this life, but for all of eternity. If you decide today to surrender your life to Christ, it will be the greatest and the best decision that you ever make, not just in this life, in this world, but for all of eternity. For you can gain the whole world, as it says in Philippians chapter 3. As Paul says that, by law, by the standard of this world. He was perfect. He said, I was faultless. But it is nothing compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I consider them all garbage, all laws compared. I want to know Christ in His death and His resurrection. And that must be our prayer this very morning. purpose of life? What is the purpose to your life? Some of you are in a transitional period. Some of you are fearful of your future. And you compare yourself to other people's accomplishments. But if you have these things, you know the Lord. You turn from sin, the sin of pride. The sin of unbelief. And if we obey Jesus Christ, and within that comes trust, rejoicing in Him, hoping in Him, surrendering to Him, giving thanks to Him, worshiping Him, fearing Him, reading the Word, praying daily, then you are blessed beyond measure. You are blessed completely. There's nothing more you need, nothing more, nothing less. I want to encourage us, the church, to trust in Christ completely. I want to encourage you to commit to the Lord completely. I want to encourage you to live for him completely. For it will be the best decision, the greatest decision that you ever made. Not just in this life, but for all of eternity. Psalm 37 23 says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. Amen. When I am in God, He makes my steps firm. I don't need anything else. Yes, you will fall and you will make mistakes, but He is the one that holds your feet planted in Christ, in Him, that nothing else can shake you. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. I pray that you will delight in Christ, that your feet will be planted firmly in Jesus Christ. Fee version says the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. May you delight in his way today. Don't be like anyone else who live as Christians, but they're filled with pride and they're living on a path of unbelief. That is eternal damnation. That is the blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, a sin that cannot be forgiven. But every other sin, every other shortcoming except for that one, and pride. There is hope. There is restoration. There is peace. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he gives more grace to those who humble themselves and look to God. God does not look for the spectacular, the popular, the charismatic, the tallest or the best looking. It has nothing to do with the physical, but simply the Lord, he looks for the willing. Those who are willing to follow him, he looks for those. Willing to yield themselves and humble themselves and look to God and say, God, I know I don't have what it takes, but I am willing. Use me as you will, whatever it may be. If that means I have to go and clean the bathroom, I'll do it to the best of my abilities. If that means cleaning the floor of the church, I'll do it with the best of my abilities. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 Whatever you do, you do it for the Lord, you do it for the glory of God all that I do, I do it for Him. The Lord is looking down and He's looking for the humble, the broken, and the willing, and the ones who are willing to surrender, and the ones who are willing to obey. What was point number three? To obey Jesus Christ. Obey. That is the purpose to your life. The purpose of this one life that we have. One life, one chance. So I want to encourage you today as I'm preaching to myself as well. In the year 2022, I've been focused on on God. God. More than myself. Reminded of Job 38 42. It's not about understanding why or having an answer to why things happen the way it does, but it's understanding that He is the Almighty God, El Shaddai, Jehovah Rapha, the one who provides. It's about trusting in Him. And seeing how big and amazing and how powerful our God is. And who he was when he came to this earth as an infant. Died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Die for my sins, for your sins. Understand who God is. The truth of the gospel. More than me having had knowledge. Knowledge. But it's about trust and faith and obedience. Amen. May you continue to trust in who God is, for He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He will never change. And with that should bring tremendous confidence and courage and hope. And may your face not be filled with shame, as it says in Psalm 34, verse five. Their faces are radiant their faces are not covered with shame and I'm preaching to myself because a lot of times I walk with my face looks angry looks worried looks like it's filled with anxiety concern but I'm learning I'm learning more and more each and every single day especially this year God help me to be more like you change me from the inside out and outside in. May what I have in here be shown in my actions and in my face. May I be gentle with the words, not angry as I used to be, but may I trust in you, be transformed, be sanctified by you each and every single day. The purpose of life the purpose of life is to know the Lord to turn from sin and to obey Jesus Christ Deep Roots Church and for those who are listening hope in Christ and trust in him and may you be filled with the joy of the Lord this very morning whatever happened yesterday was yesterday whatever happened this morning was this morning What's important is where you are now and where you are headed. So I want to encourage you today to look to Christ. Move ahead. As Paul says in Philippians 3, I press on toward the goal in which Christ Jesus has set for me. Forgetting what is behind, but pressing on to what is ahead. Verse 12 I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Fast forward, forgetting what is behind, verse 13, I straightening toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, in Christ Jesus. But what does it say in verse 12? Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. And here is the good news. You're not working with your own strength to obtain that salvation. You have already made it. You live as you have already made it. You have already arrived at the goal. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you're reading the word daily and you're praying to God daily on your knees, you have already made it. For you are already in God. And because you are already in God, you press on toward the goal to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Forgetting what is of the past and straying toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You have already made it. So continue to be joyful and to trust in him. Let us be a church that forgives one another, loves one another, and moves toward toward the goal in which Christ Jesus has set for us. is to what? To, number one, know the Lord. Number two, to turn from sin. And number three, to obey Jesus Christ. Amen. With that, I want to invite the praise team to come up. Can we all stand to our feet? verse 1 verse 2 with the chorus let's make this song our worship and our prayer before the living god lord i come i confess bound here i find my rest let's sing together lord i come gains to me I consider loss for the sake of Christ what is more I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, Not that I have already arrived at my goal, but at the same time, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. May we live this one life that we have, as we have already arrived at our goal, but at the same time, we are still striving each and every single day with hunger and thirst to follow you wholeheartedly. May we not grow lukewarm and lazy and prideful, because I already obtained my goal. What's the point of trying? What's the point of living every day hungry and thirsty for the living God? It's because you have already obtained it from the overflow of the heart. And we live our life in pursuit to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. May we have confidence today for the intimate relationship that we have in Christ and for the wisdom and the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. And from our desire to read the Word of God and to pray to you dearly on our knees. We humble ourselves and we look to you, God. Remind ourselves of what the purpose of life is. The purpose of life is, is to know the Lord, to turn from sin, and to obey Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. We pray all these things in your precious Son. Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen and amen.